so good morning. It's, uh, it's been a delight for Theresa and I and Mark to get some time over in Bethel over the last uh, 10 days, two weeks. So if there are a few moments where I kind of go blank on you, it's because we kind of landed late Friday afternoon. And I'm not sure is it morning, afternoon, or evening, but good, good, enter the good morning, evening? Good morning. Good morning, okay. Hello would work, wouldn't it? That would be... uh, we, had a, a, we had just a, a great time. It's actually three and a half years since Trees and I were out there, and it really is certainly our spiritual home and the, and the, the, the resource and the catalyst for much of, what, of the journey that we've been on as a church together over the last eight, nine years, actually. So uh, we, we love the people there. Many of our friends there send you their, their love and greetings. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be seeing more of them in the years to come. So it was, it was great. It was just great. Can't take all the time to talk about how great it was. And we also took a few days off to do another great thing, which was go to uh, Napa Valley. How many of you know what's in Napa Valley? Yeah, not too many. Google it. You'll, you'll realize why we had such a nice time. Um, brought a few bottles back with us. It was it was great. So it's it's renowned for winemaking in California. Um, as I have South African friends in the room this morning, it's not as good as that whole glory. It isn't. It just isn't. Just just north of Cape Town is a beautiful winemaking area. Stellenbosch and all around there. It's fantastic. So. If you ever get to either place, you like wine, there's my top tip. <laughs> Is that in the book? No, no, that's probably going to be in the next book. We'll do that in the next book. Um, what's in the book? Oh, my goodness, that, that was... You know, I have huge admiration for every single author who's ever written anything having gone through the process of actually getting it to the point of here it is and you can read it, you can buy it, and it, you know, it makes sense mostly. <sighs> it's a labor of love, but, but it's, uh, it's worth it. It really is worth it. So here we are. As we've been saying already, Jesus rose from the dead. Yay. I mean, if you're not the sort of personality that gets excited easily I forgive you that's okay I have days where nothing can excite me it's just that kind of thing but if there's any day where it's okay to get excited to let your emotions get carried away to lift up a shout to be just crazy crazy for Jesus it's a day when we explicitly and and determinedly remember that he's not in the tomb anymore. So I just want to give you, I felt I should do this, and, and this is slightly scary for me to do, because what we value freedom highly here, so you have to, we want that in our atmosphere, that, that this isn't some sort of coercion thing going on. But also, sometimes it takes somebody to sort of crack the atmosphere open for everybody else to get into the freedom behind their expression. Do you, do you see what I mean? Because like, as Brits and as Scots, we're a bit on the reserved end of the spectrum. Is that, is that not true? Yes. Compared, I mean, you go to America, I mean, they'd already be whooping and hollering, oh, yeah, great point, it's just kind of, that's okay, it's okay. But today of all days, let's be kingdom of heaven, people. And I just, I just wanted to, let's get that thought in our head, Jesus isn't on a cross. And this thing called Christianity has spent way too much time thinking about death. Way too much time thinking about someone who's dead on a tree. And if you think about death, and you talk about death, it doesn't matter whose death it is, and no matter how great a death it was, and no matter how wonderful a sacrifice it was, all of which is true about Jesus on the cross, but if that's where you stop, you're going to end up with death. 
If the cross was the full stop, let's go home. We are all men to be pitied, Paul says, if that was the end. Because it's depressing, it's defeating, it's, it's morose, it's, it's, it's unpleasant. And we talk to one another about, let's bring it to the foot of the cross. No point. He's not there. Oh, you need to bring that to the cross, brother. Well, um, that's actually, can't find that in the Bible. Something we made up because we got death-centered, crucifixion-centered. Now, don't misunderstand. We talked a lot about the incredible benefit of Jesus is dying on the cross. So I really don't want you to misunderstand me. But he's not there. Not only is he not there, the tomb is also empty. He's not there. And it's not that because he's not there doesn't mean he's not anywhere. So our kind of religious, earthbound thinking sometimes means well, we can't find him on a cross and we can't find him in a tomb. That means he's just, he's just this theoretical resurrection. He sort of spiritually kind of morphed somehow and floated up on a cloud into heaven to be with the Father. No, Jesus physically rose from the dead in a body. He didn't float up to heaven as a disembodied spirit as a man resurrected from the dead, Jesus in a body went to heaven and seated at the right hand of the Father as King of kings and Lord of lords. Not as the grave empty, he's enthroned. Come on, get excited about that. Every enemy defeated by him. Boom, end of message. <laughs> now let's get really excited, see what happened there. I think, I think we're excited, but I, I just think there's a whole other level, there's a whole other level of encounter coming to us today because he is alive. And we need to connect to it, not as a theory, not as a doctrine. Resurrection is not a doctrine. It's not a philosophy. It's a living reality. I want to read you some scripture, just make the whole thing legal. So if you have a Bible, dial into it, turn to it in your phone. Please don't text your granny today. Unless you want her to be healed. We maybe do that later. Text healing to someone. <laughs> Oh, this is going to be a fun morning. I'm already having a good time. So Ephesians 1 is where you need to go, verse 15. This is something that, that I pray a lot for us as a, as a community. Ephesians 1, verse 15, I'm reading the ESV. Is for this reason, because I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints... <laughs> I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. This is quite a long list of amazing things that we're supposed to know. It's no wonder we need the spirit of wisdom and revelation because you don't get these out of earthly textbooks. You only get this by work of the Holy Spirit. So he's praying for the work of the Holy Spirit. And verse 19, and what is the immeasurable greatness? Should we say that together? Immeasurable greatness. This side said it and this side didn't. Is that, is this, can we try that again? Immeasurable greatness? Okay, that, that, that's better. It's just good to engage with some of these things. Immeasurable greatness of what? Of his power towards us who believe. The Amplified translates that of his power in and toward. So there's an immeasurable greatness of his power in us and actively towards us. 
simultaneously. According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when what? When he You know, the resurrection was so powerful that other graves opened and some of those people started to walk around visiting their friends in the Matthew account. There was this resurrection of Jesus, but actually it says that saints of old also resurrected out of their tombs and started going around visiting people and many in Jerusalem saw them. This resurrection thing was so powerful and so infectious that suddenly other dead people got in on the act as Jesus rose from the dead. (laughs) So this immeasurable greatness of power is at work in and towards us according to his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And he didn't just get him up out of the grave. He seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but the one that is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things for the church, which is body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. If we keep thinking about death... We're not going to live in resurrection. And this same power that raised Jesus from the actual dead in an actual body and actually raised him to the right hand of the Father and actually gave him actual authority over all things forever and ever in this age and the age to come. That actual same power that actually did all those actual real things actually lives in you and is at work towards you. And Paul's praying that that, that the church would grasp the immeasurable greatness of the activity of God in and for and towards his people And the measurement is the measurement of that power which raised Jesus from the dead. Anybody experienced all of that yet? There's a way to go. That's good. That's okay. But let's not think it's all about learning. This is about experience. You can learn those verses. I've known those verses for decades But actually, the call of those scriptures and that prayer is that we enter into an increasing experience of the reality, not the theory. Too much of Christianity has been built on knowledge, not experience. And and we're about changing that. We're about being centered around the presence of God in an actual realized reality, not as a theory. So we're... We are very much lovers of the Bible, but we're not gathering around the Word. We're gathering around the presence. We're not gathering around the Word because we despise the Word and we don't believe the Word. We're gathering around the presence because I think that's what the Word tells us to do. But in in, in, in kind of reformed history in this nation, it is gathering around the Word, but actually the Word points us to the presence. And the presence isn't a disembodied spirit. The presence isn't disconnected. The presence is Jesus. The presence isn't a woo or a what or a woo or a a ghost or a... Although the presence of God, the presence of Jesus can produce all kinds of feelings, reactions, emotions and demonstrations amongst us. It is about gathering around the actual manifest resurrected, really here Jesus. And we've all been given the ability to connect to that, live in that, enjoy that. We've all been given the ability to know and recognize the presence of Jesus, both around us, towards us, and in us. And I pray that we'd know it more and more. You know, Moses was was given the opportunity to enter his destiny, to lead over a million people into freedom, a a, a, a freedom that they've been waiting for based on promise for 400 years. God says, here's the door, it's open wide, you can step in, step in, you're going to be amazing. 
Moses. You're going to be incredible. You're going to bring these people into everything I promised them that they've been waiting for for 400 years. Go do it and I'll send an angel. He says, the pressure of that moment. Moses could have really been something. He could have really got the people out of out of their slavery and into the promised land. All the promises were there and God says it's going to be true but I'm going to send an angel, I'm not going with you. Guess what? He says I'm not doing it. That's how important the actual, personal, realized, tangible presence of God was to Moses is he said, well, I'll I'll deny my destiny if necessary in order to sustain my connection to the manifest presence of God. That's how important it was to him. That's how important I believe it is to us to be gathered around the realized, manifest, experiential presence of God. Just, just take a moment to, to acknowledge him again. We did it in worship. Just take a moment to, 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 to center your affections on him. He's here. He's in you. He's on you. He's for you. He's towards you. You can know his manifest presence. Take a moment. Say, Jesus, I welcome your presence. Just do it. Just just do it. Just do it. Lift up your hands. Put your hand on your heart. Stand up. Lie down. Sit where you are. Just say, Jesus, I welcome your presence. You're You're alive. You're personally alive. You're not a theory, you're not a doctrine, you're not a Bible verse. You're a living, breathing person. I welcome your presence in my life, Jesus. (laughs) He's the king. He's the king. You know, there's a, there's a place in sometimes in our, my heart and my mind where I entertain the thought that victory is not mine because I haven't seen it yet. You know, that's a lie. If you've met Jesus, you've seen it. It may not have got realized in the specific issue that you need breakthrough in yet, but if you've seen Jesus, you've seen victory. It's already there. You know, defeatist belief engenders defeat. And then I or we become resistant to talks of victory because we haven't seen enough victory. But the persuasive argument is not our experience. The persuasive argument is the resurrection and enthronement of Jesus. And the more we focus on that, the more our faith is filled with that, the more we will be pulled out of defeat into his victory. Do you see? Our history never defines our future as long as we connect our hopes and expectations to him rather than our past. Doesn't matter how big a mess it's been, doesn't matter how much failure you've had, it will never has to define you unless you let it become your focus. Unless you allow it to become your reality. Um, some of you know that it's coming up six weeks, my, my, my dad of 93 passed away, um, and for probably six seven, eight weeks before that, he was very, very ill. And actually the seed of doing this series called Victory bubbled up inside me anyway, uh, somewhere when my dad was seriously ill in hospital. And I'm like, we need to talk about victory. Um, And probably it was 10 days after his death, just before the funeral, we'd we'd got a missions ministry trip booked in that we that we did to the Faroe Islands, uh, 
God gave a word to us as a church that we would influence revival isles. So Teresa and I went to the Faroe Islands, which is even further north than, than Shetland, sort of halfway to Iceland, basically. Um, and and I'm, I'm in the grieving process, and I'll, I'll say a bit more about that in a minute, so I'm not feeling on, my, on top of my form. And, and yet we just felt to go, and, and we're this little church on this island, they just think, God, you're going to do something. So, so I taught, and in that, in that room, people just started to get healed. I didn't pray for anybody. I think it was eight people got healed. An older woman with the failing hearing in one ear just said, said her hearing was being restored. Talked to the next day, still the same. A guy who had had two operations on a hernia, couldn't sit through a meeting. All his pain disappeared. Uh, sat through all the meetings, loved it, got freedom from pain in, in, his, in his abdomen area. A uh, couple of people's knees got healed. A guy who, who was a fisher, and they all fish, who had, a, had an operation on his shoulder. And uh, this, on this side, I think it was, that took 12 weeks to heal. Two years. Two years to heal, pardon me. And then he felt the same problem was developing in this shoulder. All of the problem disappeared. And this went on and on and on. And I'm like, this is nothing to do with how I feel and everything to do with who he is. Yeah. See, my feelings are important. And, and Teresa encouraged me to, to, to read up on grieving. And there are websites and places to help you. And, and, and uh, uh, the cruise website is very good if any of you need, need to consult something on this. And, and as I read it, I like every, every symptom that can manifest pretty much. I was like, yeah, that's happening to me. Yes, that's happening to me. I was, I was having mood swings. I was feeling angry for no reason. I was having random pains appear in my body and then disappear. My body felt heavy. I had weird sleep. I had there's a whole list of things. I was grieving my dad, who I loved. And uh, I, I still am. But my feelings aren't reality. They're telling me something about where I am and what I'm going through. It's important, not, it's important not to have a victory message that says, I'm not going to grieve the death of my father because I'm in victory. We all know that's nuts, don't we? And, and, and if you go that way, you'll end up, it'll come out of you somewhere. But my feelings are important, but they don't define reality. They're just how I am doing in that moment because of what's happening. They're not my destiny, they're not my future, they don't even describe my past well. And in, as Christians, we've got all that jumbled up in our heads, it's like, I've got to be real. And what we sometimes mean by that is, real is how I feel. That's not true. Real is not how you feel. How you feel is just how you feel. And that can be good, it can be bad, it can be indifferent. Real is Him. My feelings have value, but they don't rule me, and they don't rule my destiny, and they don't rule my faith. I tend to get it all jumbled up, like, I'm feeling full of faith today. Well, <clears throat> maybe you are, maybe you're not, but it's un ultimately about Him. He is risen. I am grieving my dad, but He is risen. Yeah? I'm feeling sick in my body, but he is risen. He is head over all things for the church. He is king of kings and lord of lords. I'm having a crap day at work. He is risen. Oh, I can't get my finances together. And another bill just came. He is risen. We just had this crazy season. So my, my, my dad's seriously ill. And then he dies. And then we have, we have a a flat that we rent out that was part of our sort of pension planning. And I get a phone call from, from the, the agent that runs it in Newcastle and said, we've had to move your tenants out. You're not going to get any rent because we've found a rotting beam. And the whole floor is likely to collapse. So I'm like, oh, my dad's just died. We're going to do the funeral and now I've got no money from the flat. And I don't know how I'm going to get it repaired. He is risen! And then, and then 
Some of you have weeks like this. Then, then the, our second car went in for the garage while we were, while we were away and we found out that it's, it, the car has died. My dad has died. My flat has died. My car has died. But he is risen. <laughs> These things are not going to govern my reality. These are not the reality. The reality is he's king of kings and lord of lords. How I'm feeling about it isn't how it is and isn't going to decide how it's going to be. But if we think how we're feeling is ultimate reality, it will determine how it's going to be and we will be on repeat. It will define us for the future and it doesn't have to. We sang it today. He's broken every chain. See, if death didn't hold him, it can't hold you unless you agree to it. And none of us, if we're aware in the moment, is going to agree to it. It's the more subtle kind of luring into, you know, we get all these feelings and I'm feeling so bad and I'm, I'm feeling so this and I'm feeling so under it and I'm feeling so... Oh, la, 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 la. It can slowly absorb you and start to convince you that you have no power. If you believe how you feel, you'll end up believing you have no power, which is not true. Because how you feel does not define you. Just say that with me, would you? How I feel does not define me. Say that. How I feel does not define me. How I feel is not my ultimate destiny. How I feel is not my ultimate destiny. It doesn't matter how long you felt it. I felt crap forever. I have deep Empathy with feeling crap for a long time, but it isn't going to define you. He isn't in the grave. And if he walked out of the grave, there's nothing holding you. Just think about it. We've had amazingly brilliant teaching over these last weeks about what happened and what Jesus conquered. Just think of all the things that clawed at him on the cross. He, he, he became sin. It says that he defeated the devil who had the power of death. It said he made a public spectacle of him. He said that he was betrayed. He was wrongly accused. He was beaten. He was nailed. He was whipped. He bled. He, he had the sin of the world upon him. Every single thing, he experienced human, human betrayal. He experienced man's inhumanity to man. He experienced some sort of spiritual violence that we can't put words to because he became sin. He experienced something, interaction with the devil, where the devil thought he'd got him, but he didn't. So in the end, the cross defeated the devil and defeated death. Everything that could come against a person came against him, and he still rose from the dead. What have you got on your list that he didn't deal with? Can you add to the list something that didn't get done on that cross? And the fact that the cross is empty means he did the doing. He did the doing. You don't have to do the doing. He did the doing. You have to join in his doing. It's a theological statement. He did the doing. It's a free gift. Righteousness is a free gift. Is that true? Resurrection is a free gift. Relationship with God is a free gift. Healing is a free gift. Freedom from condemnation is a free gift. A spirit of a sound mind is a free gift. Death didn't hold him. It doesn't have to hold you unless you say, I'd like to be held by death a little longer. (laughs) Kind of used to being a bit dead. Being dead suits my personality. (laughs) I like to be a little depressed. It shows that I'm in touch with reality. No, it shows that we're in touch with the wrong reality. So, so here's some things. So 
physically we are going to be resurrected. If he physically walked out of a grave, every single one of us, when that time comes, whether we were, we were burned, buried at sea, put in a hole, however we went, when that trumpet sounds, your body is coming out of that grave, out of that sea, out of that whatever, and you are going to be resurrected with a new life and a new body, and you're going to be with him physically forever. Because if he came out of the grave, you are too. But right now, there's some things that can die in us before this thing goes down, before we fall asleep, is how the Bible puts it. Your dreams can die. And actually, the older you get, the more prone we are to giving up on our dreams. He came out of the tomb. There's life for dead dreams. Think about Joseph. Left for dead, wrongly accused. Lots of the things that happened to Jesus happened to him. And then suddenly, boom. And the time it takes to send a text, he's promoted from being in the jail to running the country. Who says your dreams can't live? The man they gave up for dead. The man they put nails in. The man they mocked. The man they put in a tomb and rolled a whacking great stone in front of it. Walked out of the tomb. Your dreams can live. Boy, you haven't seen what I've seen. No, I haven't seen what you've seen. I've seen what I've seen and that's enough for me. But I haven't seen as much as he's seen and he still rose from the dead. And his power is at work in and for you who believe. (laughs) I used to be so passionate for Jesus. I just feel a little bit like I'm cool now. That passion thing, I mean, it can get you into trouble. You do stuff you shouldn't do. You make mistakes. I, I, I'm going to be a cool Jesus follower. I just don't, I'm not too excited, not too depressed, just in the middle, cool. <laughs> How's that working out for you? Better to be passionate and make mistakes than just be cool. resurrection life for our passion Jesus didn't go to the cross in some sort of anesthetized unfeeling state we know that for the joy set before him he endured the cross that tells us that what he saw so ignited what he felt that he endured the unexplainable and the horrendous that's a lot of passion. How's, how's your passion? Can you do with a passion resurrection this morning? Do you do with a dream resurrection this morning? To do with a hope resurrection this morning? Your health. I mean, sometimes you can have prolonged periods of ill health. You can have things that, that people tell us can't be cured. But we have story after story of things that haven't been possible to be cured medically being cured. We also have stories of where it's not working. I know that. But I want to connect my faith and my expectation to the one who rose from the dead, who defeated him who has the power of death, who defeated sickness at every turn. I'm going to keep going after that. That's what we're doing at healing school. We have incredible stories coming your way next weekend. We have people going to tell you how they saw fingers created. We've got people going to tell you how cancers got healed, how ME got healed, how MS got healed, and on and on and on. If you need some faith for getting healed, come to the school because you're going to heal, hear from people who've seen it, the resurrection power of Jesus in all kinds of walks of life and difficulties. It's real, folks. Jesus is alive. Finances, sometimes we just go... It's never going to work for my finances, relationships, our marriages, our families. We can all end up getting in a place of a bit of death and putting up with death. This is just how, is this normal? Well, is it though? Is it, is it reality or is it just your reality in that moment? If he rose from the dead and the grave is empty and he's seated on a throne, 
And it's not just a theory, it's not just a theological statement, it's not just a doctrine, it's not a philosophy, it's actually a thing. It has to be real in our actual things, does it not? All this is just a bunch of words. No, 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 we believe in Jesus. No, 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 I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe in Jesus. Well, you should because he rose from the dead. Prove it. Well, you know, the, 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 the various sources say, and the, da, 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 you know, the quickest way to convince someone is give them an experience of resurrection life. Not describe all the extant sources and the various, various evidences of how 500 people saw him roast in the dead and all that, all that stuff. I believe it's great, but actually, ultimately, the quickest way to move someone from skepticism to belief is to give them an experience of the man who actually rose from the actual dead. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just, just kind of two-thirds of the way through the, the message. Morning. I remembered that. <laughs> so if you have some dreams that you want to come back to life. So this resurrection thing has got to matter today. Today. It's going to matter for you. It's not that we just rejoiced in it and sang great songs about it and came to church because it's resurrection day. This resurrection thing has to matter to you today. It's not words. Something's going to happen. Because something already happened. I didn't believe things actually happened in church. Think of the church for things to happen. I came to sing about them happening. So if you're feeling that, oh, those dreams I had, I thought they were from God and <clears throat> I just gave up on them. Or you got hopeless about some family situations or Hopeless about financial situations or hopeless about health situations. I'm just going to ask you to stand right where you are because this is resurrection day for you. This isn't the end of the message, by the way. This is just this end of this bit of the message. Dead dreams are going to come to life. Hope is going to return for your finances. You're going to get breakthrough in your family situation, family relationships today because he rose and he's still alive. You didn't put him back in the grave because we had a hard time. So just take a moment to tell the Lord what it is you need bringing back to life. What's your specific, not just a general thing, what's your specific right now? what I need for you to do today what I've been waiting for what I it may be a bunch of feelings you just like I've been living feeling low for too long I want out if that strikes a chord and you're not standing just just stand up and tell him maybe just a bunch of feelings just this forever feeling like no good today's a day So Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus and what he did was not a religious act. What he did wasn't theory, what he did wasn't words, it was actual, actual resurrection. So I just declare over every dead dream in every heart, come to life this morning in Jesus' name. Let the power that raised Jesus from the dead raise that dream, raise that hope, raise that expectation in heart right now in the name of Jesus. And according to the power that has worked within you and towards you from God, let inside you come alive with new passion. I speak life and resurrection to passion and zeal in this room, in Jesus' name. I speak life and resurrection where there's been uh, ill health and brokenness and disappointment because of ill health. And I speak life and resurrection to family relationships that have gone south. 
that have gone sour. I speak health to them. I speak resurrection to them. I speak hope to them. I speak to you right now. You're going to get something in your head that says, if I just do this, it's going to come back to life. And go do it. Go do it. Go do it. So Father, thank you. Jesus is alive. Why don't you, if you're standing, just thank him. Jesus, you are alive. The reality is there is resurrection life coursing through my veins, through my soul, through my mind. Resurrection life is actually happening inside of me right now. It's happening inside my emotions. It's happening inside my brain. It's happening inside my body. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you that you are alive. I'm not making it up. I'm not trying to convince myself of something that isn't true. I'm actually lining myself up with what is really true. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you. Just, just have a seat. We're, we're, we're coming into land. <laughs> but huh, we had a few bumpy landings. This could be a bumpy landing. We should put install seat belts on the church chairs. I think it's just kind of. We heard some fantastic teaching. You know, I love that the father didn't turn his face away. Yes. Let that sink in deep because that, that little thing there has germinated in Christianity to the point where people who are broken, people who are doing bad, people who are sinning, people who are in a really dark place actually believe daddy's not there for them or if he is he's some distance away and it's their job to make up the gap so if you are struggling with sin if you're struggling with some sort of uh, uh, emotional heaviness if you're struggling with brokenness if you're struggling with some kind of darkness or some kind of issue in your life and you feel that God is not actually right in there with you he's actually there and that your job as a Christian as matter how low you feel or how difficult it is is to make all the steps to get to him you're believing a lie like just at the point where you have the least ability to make the effort, you have to make the effort. Yeah. It's a religious death. Why would God say to you, when you need him most, where he's already said, I'll be with you always, and when you're feeling least able to do anything, Sort yourself out and draw close to me. Why would God, who became sin for you, who became incarnate in a normal human body like yours, say he's separate from you at the moment you need him the most? It makes no sense whatsoever. He cancelled all separation. Woohoo! Oh, it's only me excited about that. All separation is cancelled. That cross thing, that bleeding and dying thing, you know what that did? It meant the distance between you and God got cancelled forever. Good days, bad days, makes no difference to him. He's there. And he's not just there, he's in and towards you. So he's alive in you on the worst possible moment in your life. When you're feeling your worst, you're doing your worst, he has not gone away. He's alive in you and he's working for you. Remember that scripture we love to say that God is for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Remember that. Remember that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Not even your stuff can separate you from the love of Christ. None of your stuff, none of our stuff, no matter how much stuff we have, can separate us from the love of Christ. Why? Because we worked hard? No, because he died well. Okay, if you've been feeling separate from God at all in this last week, month, year, and you'd like not to, would you just stand to your feet right now? We're going to cancel some more stuff this morning. Month, year, week, minute. 
This takes a lot of courage. It's an awesome church. So right, I just want to declare to you, all distance is cancelled. He is in you, he is for you, and he is moving towards you. All of those things happening at the same time. He rejoices over you when you're feeling the worst. He celebrates you when you're feeling like you don't deserve to be celebrated. And he's actually working in your issues when you don't feel worthy to have him work in your issues. He's alive in your darkness. He's alive in your brokenness. He's alive in your separateness. And everything he's doing is to bring you to a place of intimacy with him that you enjoy him because he's already enjoying you even on your worst day. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a seat. I'm enjoying myself. Last point. What would you do if you were ten times bolder? I told you it's not religion here. We've got to do this stuff, okay? What would you do if you were 10 times bolder? What would you do? Not what your wife do or your friends do. You know, if he wasn't so fearful, he should go and do that. Now, hang on a minute. Before we turn into a counseling service for the rest of Hope Church, what would you do? What would I do if I was 10 times bolder? What would your life look like if you were much, much more courageous I'll just give you a couple of minutes to think about that. (laughs) Because if Jesus isn't in the tomb and he isn't on the cross and he is alive and he is resurrected and he put to death him who had the power of death, the devil, if he disarmed him and removed all his weapons and made a public spectacle of him, which is what it says in Colossians 2, if the enemy has fundamentally been disarmed and been defeated, if sin has been dealt with and the power of sin has been dealt with, if death has been dealt with, if your future has been secured, what the heck are we worrying about? Usually if we think the thought, what I do is I was 10 times more courageous, what comes up is the things that we possibly are fearful of right now, which are holding us back from entering into things we would really actually like to do if we felt that on it. One day I will feel that. Do, do, Do you ever have that thought? The day is coming. There's a day coming and I'll, I'll really be on it. On that day I'll be like, yeah. I will, I will do it. I will do that thing that I'm not doing. I will do it. It's not yet. Any, anybody? Come on, can't really feel like that. I'm just being honest. It's like, it's not, four people were honest. Shame on the rest of you. Spirit of honesty break out in the church right now. Right now, in Jesus' name. Remember, you may have just sinned, but he didn't separate himself from you. So he's there to help you in your honesty journey. So I'm going to ask that again. Any, anybody ever felt like, oh my goodness, yeah, I really want to do that, but not today, and it wasn't, I wasn't ready for it last week. There'll be a moment. There will, anybody, come on, come on, come on, church. Come on, that's it. Come on, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. See, that's repentance right away. Boom. Thank you, Jesus. So here we are. Here we are. We're like, we're waiting for the moment when we feel awesome. Because we've got our insurance from whatever that, marketing campaign says you know you feel truly awesome don't you if you get your insurance through some that that totally bombed don't don't there's a day there's a day coming there surely is a day coming when I'm gonna feel awesome enough to do the thing that I am thinking about right now but it's not today because I'm not quite it's not quite there you know, the kids and the, you know, I'm feeling this and, you know, the dodgy leg and the, oh, you know, the, that funny thought that comes through my head and what if people notice, what if people see me, what if, 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 what
What if? What if you did it? What if you were already awesome? Yeah. But I don't feel awesome. That's not the point. What if you were ten times bolder? What if we really, really got gripped by the idea that the, 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 the grave is empty? That he conquered it all. Death is defeated. Love overcomes fear. Perfect love casts out fear. And he loves us perfectly so fear can disappear. And my voice is getting higher and higher because I'm more excited about this. <laughs> He walked out of the grave. Time to step out. Take courage. Kick fear into touch. Do the thing. Do the thing. I have stuff in my life. I've been waiting for the moment for 20 years. It's time to just do the thing. Is that not right? I mean, how long are you supposed to wait to feel awesome? So for all of you who've been waiting to feel awesome, today is the day. You're already awesome enough because he is in you and he is for you and he rose from the dead and he's seated in heavenly places and he is cheering you on and all his power is available. Anybody want to get in on the act? Just stand to your feet right now. Come on, don't think about it. Just go for it. Just go for it. Look at all these awesome people. They're going to be more courageous, more passionate, filled with more dreams. <laughs> Just tell him what you're going to do. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. That courageous thing that you have been waiting to do, that... that who you are going to be, who, who I'm going to step into, starts today. Amen? Amen. So, Father, we, we come to you. We just, I just break off fear and the lies associated with fear in this room, in Jesus' name, that have kept us going. One day we will, one day we will. And actually, today, let there be boldness and courage released in this room in the name of Jesus. Because just as you raised from the dead, just as you are seated in heavenly places, just as you conquered all, we are going to live more and more in that reality in Jesus' name. So that thing, make a deal. Sew it up in your heart with Jesus right now. That step you're going to take, you're going to do it. You're not waiting to feel awesome because you're connected to the awesome one. He's got all the awesomeness we are ever going to need and he's put it inside us whether we feel it or not. Amen.